Today is gonna be the day that I'm finally gonna grow some balls. By now, someone should have somehow found a way to pay back Ross. I gotta believe that everybody feels the way I do about him now. And all the damage that he's caused is growing. He wrecked me yesterday without even slowing, slowing. There are many things that I would like to do to Ross, but I don't know how. Because maybe, maybe, we're all just a bunch of little babies, babies. Won't do nothing at all to pay back Wonder Ross. Lately, it's gonna be the oh. day that I'm finally gonna grow some balls. He's back for more. Back I had it more. set to loop, ladies and gentlemen, and that's not the Cletus start to the Happy Hour podcast, but it is loose. And of course, as heard on DBC, so I think Massey is bigger than us right now, ladies and gentlemen. The Grammy Award winning soon to be Michael Massey's Wonder Ross about this past weekend. And all I was going to say is lately, Ross Chastain can't stay out of the headlines for the past two years. Our guest this week, as uh, Trey Lyle, Dalton Hopkins, Michael Massey from FrontStretch.com are here, is Noah Lewis. He is the owner, reporter. He does it all for TSJ101sports.com. Noah, welcome to the podcast. It was good to see you this past weekend adult at Darlington, but uh, are you uh, excited to join? Are you ready to join? I mean, what, what are your thoughts? I, I'm shocked you even said yes. Not after hearing you call it Daltington. I mean, I don't, I don't know about <laughs> I do call it Daltington. You know. I've been called Daltona. Dalton, okay, you know what? I'm reading, I'm looking uh, at Dalton's name on the screen and saying Darlington, so it's, how, it's how nice to play games with me. How do I leave? Let's see. Um, no, it's uh, it's it's definitely fun to be here, guys. I'm thankful that you uh, asked me on. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we are excited for it. And, uh, you know, Dalton, we got a lot of fun topics to talk about. Um, what are we going to talk about? Yeah, uh, first off, man, uh, I feel like we're way out of our league with Noah here. Honestly, so apologies, no, no you got like to be here. The, we, we bring guests in and it increased the professionalism. I mean, we had such a little bar last week because we had Brian, but you're, you know, we're, we're, we're improving. You're using <laughs> you're using the word professionalism very loosely right now, but yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So we've got a lot of things uh, to talk about after Darlington this weekend. Of course, we're going to talk about uh, the whole Ross Chastain Kyle Larson incident. Some interesting things that came out of that Couch Racer. Uh, put out on Twitter today about um, what happened with the uh, with the number ten team, the pit crew, when Larson won uh, this past weekend at, at Darlington in the Xfinity Series race. So, what happened with Victory Lane with that? William Byron, no, we're going to talk about your topic. Is William Byron better than Kyle Larson right now, or is Larson just getting hit with bad luck? And then should Throwback Weekend stick around? Uh, of course, it's been a bit of a topic uh, for the last uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, should we even do this again? Should we keep doing this? Is it starting to lose its luster? And then, of course, we're going to talk about the NASCAR 75 list. And did NASCAR drop the ball with that? Because it feels like that celebration was a little bit uh, lackluster. Yeah, so as always, sit back, relax, open a drink. If you're listening to it, of course, not while driving. Drive responsibly, of course. And let's jump right into it. And typically, we let the guests go first. But unfortunately, the one car just let decide to slam into 
our lineup and, you know, supersede that, I guess, is the way to put it. Uh, Dalton, you wrote about him with the Thinking Out Loud piece. It got so big that I had to write a story for FrontStretch.com, which is saying a lot. Um, Ross Chastain back at it again. Yeah, I'd like to stop writing about Ross Chastain, but he just he won't let me do it. Um, it seems like we're doing this every week. For the last four weeks, he's been a huge topic every weekend. And now uh, it seems he, and now he's done it again with Kyle Larson. So I've seen a lot of fans um, the last few days, last couple days. I did the the number one thing I should never do, and that's read some of the comments on just about anything on our website, social media, whatever. And everybody is really either they're super upset that um, I am, quote, saying bad things about Ross Chastain, which I'm not. I'm just stating what's actually happening. And then, of course, people are thinking, yeah, no, Ross Chastain should be, you know, he, he should be put on trial for the terrible things that he has done. So it's a very divided fan base right now. Uh, he is the topic of the sport. And by God, he's getting everyone talking. So but uh, earlier today, we had some interesting we had something interesting happening. Uh, Massey, what exactly did did what exactly was it that that Couch Racer came out and put on Twitter earlier today? Yeah, so apparently I and uh I should have been professional and pulled it up ahead of time, but uh, they. I have it if you need help. I can't believe he wasn't professional. <laughs> no, I, mean, I got right, the, tweet here. the biggest shock. So it's a picture of the Xfinity race. Kyle Larson obviously won uh, with some some contact involved. There's some some Ross Chastain. No, nah, I don't really think it was his fault. I think it was more Nemechek's fault. But anyways, he's driving for Kyle Racing. Uh, you may have noticed in his victory lane celebration. You know, for the 2.5 seconds that Fox shows Victory Lane now, uh, there was a very empty Victory Lane. And Caltracer, which is the account run by uh, Brett Griffin and Freddie Crafts, both spotters and hosts of of the podcast that I was on, uh, Door of Clear. Those guys and, are like your best friends now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. You think majors like, knew who you were. Like, yeah, are you, can I have your autograph? I will say TJ should know who I am because – I'm the reason he won the Monday Night Racing mm-hmm. uh, All-Star Race uh, like two seasons ago because I wrecked Will Rogers coming to the line and TJ Majors won the race. By but, the way, I won the first one. <laughs> you that's won the before, first one? That's, that's before anybody good joined. <laughs> <laughs> but I should have won some races back then. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, so Couch Racer tweet said, why is Victory Lane so empty? The 10 Xfinity pit crew is also the one cup pit crew. Apparently, Larson gave them a hand gesture after the incident in Dover, so they boycotted coming to Victory Lane in Darlington. Disrespectful no. or loyal? He said he, they were number one. Let's just <laughs> well, put it that, that way. It's their car number, right? And he said, <laughs> hey, good job, number one team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I'll i give you guys my take on it, but I just, what, what did you guys think of? Well, you're not even adding the other layer into it. Are we going to get to Sunday? Well, uh, so Sunday – they what's the other late they ran into each other sunday and larson's pissed the chest thing i don't know if they I, ran into each other more as ross made a i mean both of them ran into each other thing. on separate restarts and then ross did that final restart honestly it reminded me of ty gibbs at martinsville in a way because at that martinsville race like you saw ty line his bumper up with mm-hmm. brandon jones and everybody there's thinking don't do it ty don't do it, Ty. And then he did it. Now, if I restart, I feel like everybody's thinking, don't do it, Ross. Don't do it. And then sure enough, he did it. Uh, but so th- they have more contact. 
um, on, on Sunday. And so, yeah, we, we've got uh, another layer, the, the third run in. Second, the last really, four races. Yeah, the last four races. So Two of which Larson probably could have won. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Over in Darlington. What do you guys think about the pit crew thing? I think the pit crew boycotting it is kind of petty because, like, it's so hard to win. The, especially you, they're with the one cup car that hasn't won in over a year. They're with the Colleague 10 car, which Colleague isn't an elite Xfinity team. They don't win every week. Um, so those guys don't go to victory lane a whole lot. I just feel like, don't worry about the driver. Go enjoy victory lane for yourself. I don't know what yeah. you guys think about it. Noah? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say the same thing. I mean, look, like like you said, Massey, it's, it's hard to get into victory lane. And so you kind of got to – I don't see victory lane where, yes, like the driver gets out and the confetti and all the – you know, stuff is around them for a minute. Victory Lane, though, becomes this, like, mosh pit of celebration. And the crew guys are having just as much fun throwing beer on each other as the driver is with whoever they're interacting with. So, I mean, if you if you have an issue with who won the race for you, then, you know, don't don't go congratulate them, I guess. But, but still be happy that as a team you guys won. I mean, it's a team um that you it's a car that you pitted and honestly when it comes down to it what's it what's it really saying other than it's kind of putting colleague in a bad spot where you know you're not going to say no to kyle larson being in your car because he just went and won a race in it um but you're also i mean your pit crew's strong but you're not going to because they walked out of victory lane and go okay kyle larson's not in our car ever again you know so it's like who, what is it benefiting to to not go and at least celebrate it for yourself? Um, you don't have to be there. Victory Lane isn't just about Kyle Larson winning. Yeah, I, I think, you know, at least if, if this was a boycott, I mean, like how many people really – if Cal Tracer didn't tweet it I, as three people here who were at that weekend, we wouldn't have known about it. You know, it, it took Cal Tracer tweeting about it, so – I don't think it's the biggest of deals. They still executed their job well. I mean, the only bad pit, quote-unquote, pit stop was Larson's doing because he sped on pit road. So I think personally, like, this is building. This was building, you know, at, at Dega and Dover. And obviously, I think it's now gotten to the point of, frankly, like, I, I compare this, like, what is the more bigger takeaway? The, t- the one crew boycotting Kyle Larson celebration or Rick Hendrick going off on Kyle or or on Ross Chastain where we've never really seen Rick Hendrick, at least from what I can remember the last decade plus being this candid in a post-race press conference. Like I I pulled up the quote. He said, you know, one of his quotes from it, it was, you know, asking because Ross was a Chevy driver. He said, I don't care if he's driving a Chevrolet. If he wrecks our cars, I don't care. And I told Chevrolet that if you wreck us, you're going to get it back. If you don't do it, they will run all over you. Like basically like saying that is a clear shot across the bow. If you want to say that one crew boycotting Kyle Larson was another one, these two teams are feuding. You could argue these are the two fastest cars right now because, you know, Larson's just not had the finishes, but he's had the speed. Um, And you, you throw in the 24 and maybe the 20 is the top, like the top four teams this year so far. So clearly they see each other as a threat, um, but they keep having these run-ins and, you know, Kyle Larson's a very calm dude, like overall, like 
he's he's mild mannered for him to basically just like one after it happens um as brandon mcreynolds ross the spotter foot he's pushing you he, i mean pushed him for a very long time and then to just basically after the race not want to talk to anyone and storm off like you could tell like this is getting to a point of i don't want to say no return but with when you have rick hendrick taking shots and crew members taking shots like this is not just Ross and his latest antics. Like I would argue this is the, it's bigger than what happened with Hamlin. Cause like you didn't see this, you know, you didn't see Joe Gibbs making statements about it. And I don't think you, he would, but this is definitely something in which like something's going to have to, something's going to happen or Ross might have, Ross has to change. I think that's where we're at. Like, and I don't see Ross changing. And by the way, like the demeanor, just sorry, Dalton, but the demeanor of, of Rick Hendrick. That was what got me. Like just just seeing the quote on paper, you go, wow, like that's big. But the actual demeanor and, and the fact that I think it was Dustin Long that asked the question. It was. And Dustin didn't finish the question before Rick picked <laughs> up the mic and was like, I don't care that he's a Chevrolet driver. And you, so you, you just, just don't see Rick like that. Yeah, I was gonna add like Jeff Gordon and, you know, they, they when Randy, uh, Rudy Fugel, and William Byron came up there, the little congratulatory, like Jeff Gordon was, Rick Hendrick was pissed. Like, he did not, like, he, I mean, he was probably happy William won the race, but in that moment, it felt like he could give two you-know-whats that William Byron was the winner because of what it did to Kyle Larson. Because, no offense to William Byron, Rick Hendrick's name is on one car in the Cup Series, and it's Kyle Larson. And I, I don't think he has a favorite. He's glad William won. I think it would be way like, but he, he knew he that was his moment to like say, "What's up?" And he did it. Yeah, Trey. I think we were both talking about it after the race. Was like, wow, like because I remember you tweeted that out, um, Rick Hendrick saying that, and I remember like thinking. I can't. I think I might have told that to you because Noah, you and I, at one point, we were both waiting on Larson. We were both trying Forever. to see if we could. Yeah, <laughs> we were both trying to see if we could get some kind of quote from either Kyle Larson or Cliff Daniels. And we were just kind of waiting outside the hallway. I remember seeing that tweet and thinking, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe somebody like Rick Hendrick just said that." Rick Hendrick, the guy who's usually very calm, doesn't usually get very emotional, um, and seeing him say something like that, you can kind of tell he's extremely fired up. And the fact that he still won that race uh, with William Byron and was still as upset as he was. You can really tell this is starting to affect him personally and not just him either, but Kyle Larson too. Kyle Larson got out of that car. I think uh, he fumbled around. He kind of, he gave, he take a few sips of water, took all of his stuff off, put his hat on, put his helmet off, took his, put his hat on and immediately stormed to his holler. And we never saw him again. We're pretty sure he slipped out the back or something like that. Mm -hmm. He slipped away, and I find that really funny because Kyle Larson, obviously he's super upset. He didn't want to say anything, and I find it really funny because on Saturday during that bullpen session, Kyle Larson told us, you know, I don't want to get into fights. I, I, I'm, I'm too small. I'm, too, I'm the small guy, right? You know, I, I don't want to get into fights. I don't want to start anything, but I would have loved to have heard or excuse me, well to have heard what he had to say after he climbed out of the car because gosh, he was, he was steaming. And I'm also a little concerned because it's obviously very open-ended. We still don't know what, what, what Kyle Larson thinks. I think 
I don't think I really heard him say anything on the radio when that happened. Nope. And it's like the silence is like almost scary. It's like that's like yeah. the silent kid in the class, right? It's like you don't know what he's thinking. And it's kind of, you know, it's a little terrifying to think because now we're going to North Wilkesboro, a short track at a race where it's for a million dollars. There's not going to be any points. So really, it's you could do whatever the hell you want this upcoming weekend. And I feel like Ross has got a huge crosshair on his back right now. But if you were going to want to do it at anywhere, would you want to do it at a place where there's no points on the line? Or would you want to do it where it's going to hurt him more? I, I, that would be somewhere that, you know, like Charlotte. Yeah. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting. But at, at the same time, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, um, what Justin Marks said on SiriusXM today, it, it may seem like the start of this kind of, you know, calming down with Ross. And I could see Kyle Larson maybe going, okay, if there's progress, then I'm going to lay off because that's Kyle Larson's type of deal. But you never know. Like you said, Dalton, like it's, it, you just, you don't see Larson get out and say nothing and just walk away. And it was like, it was very odd to just, he didn't even say anything to us standing there. It was his, uh, the, the lady handling his PR for the weekend. It was her that turned to us and was like, yeah, he's not going to talk. And then MRN came up and he was like, no. And Fox ended up running up and he was like, no. And so that is just different from Kyle Larson. Larson in the last few weeks, I'm sorry, Trey. I just, in the last few weeks, remember what happened at Bristol Dirt? Larson with the incident with Priest, Larson got out and said, let's move the F on. And then at Dover, he said, I, I, you know, he was upset, of course, but I'm pretty sure I remember him saying, I'd like to move on. And then at Kansas, with Denny Hamlin, he also said, let's just move on. He's the kind of guy that does like to just not, he doesn't want to get into conflict. He just wants to move on. But for him, so for him to get out of the car and just not even want to say anything, something is happening right now. And he's just, he's had it. He's had it. When you brought up Justin Mark's comments in the words of Michael Massey, my tinfoil hat came on. Oh Does Justin Mark, I think Justin Marks realizes here, once Rick Hendrick got involved, that if I want to keep getting great support from Chevrolet. There's one person I in the NASCAR series that I might want to keep on my uh, on my good side, and that's Rick Hendrick. Just just seem seem to be the case because I think, you know, if, if Chevy really had to choose, we know who they're going with. Like I just well, I'm just just little tinfoil hat time. And like it was it was obvious that Rick Hendrick um, something something switched in Justin Marks because he's gone from the team owner. That's been like Ross is aggressive. We love him for that. Yeah, he's got to clean some things up, but it's our to like I listened through, I saw the tweet earlier and uh and I read the caption. And I'm like, okay, good. And then I listened to it and like hearing Justin Marks's voice and his demeanor of like, we're working on this now because it's unacceptable. Like that was a complete shift in anything we've heard from Justin Marks, but Ross just saying this isn't new, this is just the biggest blowback i think that we've had with something ross has done because it's like now it's been week after week after week after week and usually at least we got some like space in between you know last year's stuff and and you know but but i, I don't know just hearing justin marks almost kind of saying like ross is in detention right now like we're, we're gonna teach him a lesson on on how to how to figure things out and how to race better and what moves to make and and to not just see it and go for it but to process it and you know you got around darlington he led laps 
you won stages, you got around Darlington, you went down into that turn side by side all day, and all of a sudden you couldn't make the turn. <laughs> Why? You know? Yeah, it, I don't really know if I support. I, I feel like an owner should always have their drivers back, no matter the situation. But I guess it is a little bit of a, a PR move on, on Mark's mm-hmm. part. Maybe behind closed doors, he's like, don't worry about Ross, just keep doing your thing. Uh, but I will say, as far as like the Chevy feud, like that's always been the case. We've always seen like RCR and Hendrick back in the day were like bitter rivals. And Chevy always seems to thrive in those situations. Yeah. Like Earnhardt and Bodine still winning races, Earnhardt and Gordon competing for championships. Uh, another point I'll make though is I do think it's ironic that Hendrick has always been what, the team that we talk about their PR. They like, choke the personality out of drive. Like Jimmy Johnson is the greatest example because he's, he's a lot of people say he was just like a goofy kind of guy coming into cup. And because of Hendrick PR, they just choked all that, just filtered it all out of him. So he just looked like a walking billboard. And it's, it's ironic that it really wasn't the PR that shut down Larson or Cliff Daniels Sunday. It sounds like. And then <laughs> Just given that team's reputation for that, it's the big man himself, Rick Hendrick, who goes out. And (laughs) I just wonder what all the PR people for Hendrick were thinking when Rick Hendrick opened his mouth on Sunday. Well, they did win on Sunday. Did Hendrick, you know, William Byron getting full redemption after last season. Uh, Noah, you wanted to touch on this and, you know, Willie B off to a, you know, maybe the best start of his career, three wins, the only driver with three wins. Uh, what are your thoughts about Mr. William Byron? Yeah, um, you know, and what I was thinking about for for throwing around here is uh, is w- whether William Byron or Kyle Larson or somebody else um, is the better driver right now and the better team right now. Um, and that's that's going to, like, be very hard to figure out, in my opinion, uh, some people will easily say Larson. Some people will easily say Byron. Um, what the stats show, obviously, is that Byron has three wins, that he's led 596 laps. Look, I came prepared. Um, <laughs> that he has six Only stage one. wins, six stage wins uh, to Larson. Now, Larson's had his trouble with Ross Chastain, but that's mostly minus Dover. Um, I want to say that most of his trouble seems to come kind of either midway toward the end uh, but for Larson, two wins right now, so one, just one behind. 582 laps, so 596 for Byron, 582 for Larson, so very close. Um, but only two stage wins for for Larson. Um, and then just to throw in Chastain, just to throw him in since we're talking about him, uh, no wins yet. 347 laps led. Here's something interesting about Chastain: he can't finish because he wrecks everyone, uh, but he does have five stage wins, which has propelled him to the points lead. Um, but as for kind of the debate of like who's the better team right now, I personally have to give it to Byron, um, not only for the stats, but just because that team to me has felt more consistent from the start to the finish of races. Um, Larson, it seems like I don't know if their qualifying's off or what what's going on, but it seems like it takes them a minute. You see they're fast but it takes them a minute to kind of get up to the front. Then once they get there, they're very fast. And unless Chastain takes them out, you know, they hang around up there. Um, But I I really think that that 24 team in terms of consistency um, being up there, maybe 
maybe one-on-one when Larson gets up there, they're not the fastest every time. But the fact that William is hanging around up there at all times, um, I think kind of puts them a little bit ahead for me. I'd agree with that. It's a, it's tortoise and the hare. William Byron's the tortoise and Kyle Larson's the hare. But, uh, that, that hare keeps ending up in the wall or other things like that. And, uh, Byron's just hanging out top three, top five, and the wins just come to him. Uh, it's a good strategy to, to win a championship, honestly. Just slow and steady getting it done. And I'll point out that if Byron did not have that 60-point penalty, he would be your points leader right now. Yeah. Because yeah. he's back up to fifth in points, only trailing, I think, by like 47 points, something yeah. along those lines. So what was it, 60 points, right, that he lost? There you go. I'd like to see that tortoise and that hare uh, compete over a season of 36 races, though. I still think that, yeah, I still think that, like, despite the fact that William Byron does have those three wins, and you're right, Noah, the stats don't lie. Um, he's just been there to pick up the pieces from Kyle Larson's crashes. Kyle Larson, I think, so I'm going to go over his, his uh, I'm going to go over William Byron's stats right now. So, Byron, of course, already has the most wins he's ever had in a single season in his career, and we're not even halfway yet. He also, as a matter of fact, has six top fives already, which is already one more than what he had last year. Mm-hmm. So there's no doubt that he's already doing, he's already on a better level than what he was doing before. And I mentioned this last week, but you know, this is a period of time where William Byron was not scoring eight top tens. We there were seven straight races where William Byron was not scoring where he did not score any top tens at all. And this year, that's not happening. There's no drop in performance at all. He's still staying consistent. He's still running up front. He's still getting wins and top fives. He He's still, he's almost not, he's pretty much on Kyle Larson's level. That said, Kyle Larson is still running up front and competing for wins rather than just competing for top fives. Larson, I would argue, should have, or at least been in the, in the competition of winning last weekend. He didn't because, you know, we saw what happened at Kansas in the backstretch. But I would also argue that this weekend he was in the competition to win. And then uh, at Bristol Dirt, I would also argue that he was running really well. So there have been a few races already where I would obviously, I would probably say that Kyle Larson should have won. And then look at Martinsville. Kyle Larson won that race and he's terrible. That's like the one track he's bad at. And he still won that race. So I would think that Kyle Larson, while William Byron has improved a lot, so has Kyle Larson. And I think that's going to, as the time goes on in this season, we're going to start seeing those top fives and eventually become wins for the number five team. And especially if what Trey, I think it was Trey that said, Justin Marks has already said, oh yeah, let's calm down. I'm going to calm Ross Ross Chastain's going to calm down after this. If he really does, and he's no longer uh, there to wreck out Kyle Larson, I'd like to see what happens with Kyle Larson, how many wins he can truly get. Kyle Larson might is the best driver in North America. Like I'm picking Kyle Larson to win the championship if I had to pick one driver. William is having a great but we also said that last year. Like I, I need to see it come the summer. Like if he gets another win, let's say in the summer, like the meat of the season, and then wins a post like a race in the playoffs then I'll feel a lot better about William Byron's consistency throughout the season. I I think he's getting there and this could be the breakout year, but I'm still picking Kyle Larson. Like, frankly, like if you look at the, you know, playoff picture, like do I pick, like I 
might pick Ross over him. I might pick Bell over him. I definitely would pick Denny. I would definitely pick Truex, and I'd definitely pick Kyle Busch, and I'd definitely pick Kevin Harvick all over William Byron right now to win a championship because wow. all those guys have made a championship for. William Byron has not made a championship for. But what's the sport about? What have you done for me lately? Yeah, yeah. What have you done for me lately? That's Kyle, what I, I mean, go back to, to be fair, Kevin Harvick, like if Ford somehow gets their act together this year, Kevin Harvick is the big, like, will wake up. The 24 team has their act together right I now. I understand that, but it's so also this, it's May. It's not October. We saw his, his him having his act together in May last year, and we saw what happened. He yeah, faded he, in the postseason. He's building up a lot more uh, playoff points this time around. Yeah. So that, that, is, if, that is true. So that maybe but, he will be able to kind of coast to the championship for, you know, if he kind of keeps things he up. he can't. I mean, Kevin Harrick had one of the biggest gaps ever, and he didn't make the championship for. Like, it's true. So it's it definitely it depends on what happens, of course, in the playoffs. But again, if you look at the consistency of William Byron in the past, which hasn't. It's been, you know, he had that streak of top tens that one time, and then all of a sudden it fell off. The summer he was horrible. Was that last year? Was, I think that ago. was two years ago, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, it, the consistency died down. But even with those top tens, a lot of the times it was like further back in the top ten, kind of eighth or whatever. Um, whereas now, I mean, every single weekend, I, I don't know if there's been one race, maybe one race this year this season that we haven't seen Byron compete for a win. I'm actually interested to know how many tracks he did not lead a lap at this season, because I, it would probably be maybe one or two. Um, and so, and, and, and just think about Darlington, right? Of course, Larson is the one we're thinking about who had a chance to win at the end, but Larson only got to that point by short pitting. And then he short pitted right after passing Byron who then lost five spots on pit road. So they would have come out right around the, the same spot. If Byron hadn't lost five spots or, or excuse me, not five spots, but lost time on pit road um, for being blocked into his pit stall. So again, you know, we never got to see really what they would be able to do stacked up against each other on Sunday. Um, and then of course that was the golden ticket for William Byron to lose that time because that's what ended up getting him out of the mess. Uh, but it, it's just the consistency. I don't know. I feel something strong about the consistency of the 24 this year compared to any other year. It just seems like they're rolling. He's definitely leading more tracks. laps. Yeah. He's yeah. only he's 150 laps behind his career high, which I feel like he should get pretty easily yes. at, at the rate he's at. And you're right. He's just he's just running high. His average finish 13.3. 13.3. So that it's the best of his career. Uh, he, he was right there at that two years ago, but he's pretty on par with that. But he's winning races. He wasn't running races mm -hmm. two years ago. Uh, the one thing, I think it, it's emerged as them being like a 1A, 1B type situation, though. Whereas, yeah. like, he's, I would say Byron has passed Chase Elliott this year, mm -hmm. at least. Not, like, overall, but this right. year. Yeah, especially with Chase, Chase being out for so many weeks, he's playing catch-up. But even before Chase went out, like, you know, yeah, a few races yeah, he we was. did get to see, it seemed like they've just been a little behind. Yeah, you know. like, Chase finished third Sunday, I believe it was third. But, like, he was kind of given that a little bit. He should have been, like, ninth, probably, with the finish. Massey, are you able to see there how many tracks he didn't lead laps at? Just yep, out of yep. it was five. That, that's I what I was did the math. It's five. So, the thing is, all the tracks he hasn't led at are – 
It says Daytona and Atlanta are two of them. Montana. Uh, Fo- Fontana's the only like intermediate of the bunch, well, whatever you consider Atlanta. Bristol but, Dirt. Bristol and Martinsville. So it's like short tracks and super speedways yeah. are what he hasn't led at. So the anything like between a mile and a mile and a half, he's mm-hmm. really good at. And it's the other tracks he's struggling at. Well, and you have to consider what's the what's the championship race. Phoenix, wow. and he won. He won that race. Won. Yeah. So, but you also have to consider Kyle Larson's running pretty well there too. So, you know, despite no matter what we do, no matter what we debate here, if whoever's better, whoever's hot, and who's not, I feel like when we get to that championship four in the at the at the end of the year, it's just going to come down to those two guys. They're just too good right now. And I apologize to all the Chase Elliott fans, but. He's still – it's like what we just said. He's playing catch-up right now, and I don't see him – I could see him winning a race, uh, maybe even two before the end of the regular season. I don't see him getting to the championship four right now. So I think when it comes to Hendrick Motorsports, those are the two biggest threats. And, I, you know, I, I like William Byron. I like Kyle Larson at the moment. Yeah. Well, And this is the last thing I'll say about it. Uh, but – as long as William Byron doesn't step on a Lego and is out for a number of races like any Hendrick driver, um, you know, Legos are probably his biggest concern. Uh, as long as he doesn't step on Legos. Then He's a Lego master, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like going so into think, a simulator. <laughs> right. I think that uh, that consistency is going to run run pretty well for them and, unless it's broken by, by Lego injury. Well, we're talking about the 24 car and of course that was the 100th win for the 24 car the guy who got a majority of those wins was obviously jeff gordon who was named the he was a part of the original nascar 50 list and then obviously was part of the nascar 75 list which they had a i guess celebration this past weekend at darlington uh massey you wanted to talk about this yeah so when they did the nascar 50th thing it was announced well ahead of time and they did it leading into the Daytona 500. And it was a deal where I believe it was Tim Flock was like very close to death and like made it a point to get to that thing. And our uh, Michael Finley pointed this out that like he died shortly after that. So like that was the thing to get to. And this year's just didn't feel like match that same hype. Uh, they announced it well after the season was already underway. I think they saw the one that the athletic did. And maybe the one that we did on over on front stretch as well. And they're and, and they're like, oh crap, we forgot to do that. So then they whipped that thing out last second. And the announcements were like we could range anywhere from uh like noon on a Monday to like three in the morning on a Thursday morning or something. <laughs> it, there's just like no rhyme or reason to any of the announcements to the drivers uh getting sometimes it would be like a, like Randy LaJoy being on Corey's podcast or something like that. There are certain special ones where a lot of them just dropped with like no rhyme or reason. Yeah. So then I'm like, all right, well, they could, surely the, the thing was the actual ceremony will still be awesome, even if like the marketing around it was terrible. Um, and when we get to, we see the picture that they take at the, at the breakfast or lunch or whatever they had. And you're like, where's Jeff Gordon? Where's Jimmy Johnson? Where's Tony Stewart? Where's Kev- Kevin Harvick was in the race, and he wasn't all, in the picture. All yeah, those guys bias when we were interviewing the NASCAR 75 drivers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> That's yes. so funny. Uh, but, yeah, you just – so it obviously wasn't 
a big deal to these guys. Jeff Gordon, I believe I heard that he was doing Mother's Day stuff is why he missed the picture. And, well, that's another thing. Why are you going to schedule that on Mother's Day weekend? Uh, it looked like you picked up. Uh, I it, mean. It was just a few hours before the race, too. Like yeah, seven a week later. Right. Like, some drivers but Drivers were like, some drivers were already in their suits walking past us. I think Harvick might have even been in his suit already. Uh, but a couple of them were in their suit. Maybe not Harvick, but a few drivers that were walking past us were already like getting suited up because it was, I think, what, 1230 or so that that yeah, was going 1230 on? 1230 to yeah. 1. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And some other one, like Daryl Waldrop, where was he at? Um, now, Kelly Arbrough and Ned Jarrett weren't there, but I think both of them have health issues. But it's a... It, AJ Ford. <laughs> I want to. I want to interject the uh, Ned Jarrett. Dale. Dale did say like he wanted to get there. It just would have been tough for Ned to get uh, there, yeah. like, get around and stuff. For sure. Yeah, and that that's completely <laughs> understandable. But still, it, I mean, maybe they should have done it at like the the Coke Six Hundred or the All Star Race, or maybe or they should have, or maybe yeah. they should have done it before the Daytona Five Hundred. Well, or maybe they, yeah. You got, maybe you gotta remember it. Well. <laughs> That, that's what I'm saying. I feel like it's exactly what you were saying, Massey, is like they just they saw that like people they were like 75th anniversary and they were like, oh, yeah, it's the 75th anniversary of NASCAR. Woohoo. And then like they saw the athletic put out the 75 list and they were like, oh, crap, we have to do that, too. Oh, no. And then they were they thought, oh, my God, well, the Daytona 500 is already too close. We can't do it by then. And they kept flipping the calendar and they were like, uh, where do we do it next? What are we doing next? And then we're like, and then they're like, oh, uh, throwback weekend. Oh, that makes sense. Let's do it there. And is it just me or did it feel like it was so out of place? Mm. It's it, it. Don't get me wrong. It's been pretty cool to see like, which I, I think it's really neat that they announce drivers uh, every, you know, once a day. And it's like, oh, you know, a little bit of anticipation. It's like, oh, well, who's next? Who's going to be on the list next? Who's going to be on the list after this guy? You know, oh, who's left? Who should, who do I think should be on the list? You know, and who's going to get left off? That's kind of cool. I like the anticipation of that. However, I can't help but think there's a missed opportunity there. Why aren't we doing this during the offseason? And NASCAR could have gotten some publicity during their offseason when usually there's nothing coming out. We could have had a lot more involvement while that was going on during the offseason when nothing's happening. They could have at least had that going on and some eyes going on NASCAR at that time. But instead, we do it at the beginning of the year, and then we have this culmination of all that occurring at Darlington. To, and it's all condensed to a little bitty 30-minute presentation where really nobody actually watched it and nobody really seemed to care. So There's no, there's no advertising for it. There was no exactly. commercial saying, watch us honor the 75 greatest drivers. And was there was period. there any sort of stream or anything? No. Like that, that, that was what was confusing to me is that I, you know, you're like, you're right. It's first of all, when we look at the the last number of months, right? we've been in a dumpster fire of stories surrounding penalties and surrounding and Ross Chastain, you know, Ross Chastain. And we, I mean, it's just been one thing after another that you're right. Like it gets buried. And at, and at some point I just stopped, you know, really I'd see it pop up. Um, but I stopped really anticipating when the next announcement would be because I was just like, okay, yeah, I'll see it when I see it. And yeah, cool. And then, like, everybody, you know, they got this box that was full of confetti and a little teeny uh, diecast car. And it was like, hey, you made it. And they're like, cool. Um, I, I remember watching the Kurt and Kyle Bush video. And it was funny because Kyle, I mean, Kurt was trying so hard to, like, 
you know, make it feel so special. And Kyle was just like, I thought we were doing a Mother's Day thing, but all right. Yeah, this is this is mm-hmm. cool. I appreciate it. You know, like, I mean, it just it did not nothing surrounding it felt like it was some big celebration. And then the fact that the actual celebration wasn't seen by anybody was just also very odd. Like the the actual honoring, the photo taking, all of that, you would assume as typical for any sort of ceremony like that would be open to the media, would be open to, um, you know, a stream of some sort as they gather together and, and talk about this or, or maybe, you know, O'Donnell or Phelps said a couple words. I mean, I don't know. We don't know. And that's the problem. The stuff that they did pre-race, for the race, the big stage out there with the drivers giving the command and like here they all are. I think that was cool. Um, but but everything surrounding it and leading up to it to go, hey, here's where we're celebrating them on throwback weekend. And this is some big storyline, too, to add to it. That didn't feel like it was really anything much. Uh, I feel like one of the coolest things about about it that fans were really looking toward was seeing all of those drivers that they haven't heard from in so long come back and like hear from them again and like see what they're doing. And I'm not talking about like, you know, the legendary drivers, you know, or like the guys from like the, you know, the seventies and the sixties. I'm talking about guys like Casey Kane, Greg Biffle, uh, Ernie Irvin, you know, some of these guys that you haven't heard, heard from in so long. And especially Carl Edwards, who we saw on the broadcast, but you know, when it came time for us, Noah and Trey, when we went to the actual uh, the the seventy five Legends bullpen, how many guys came out to like so we actually could talk to? Probably about like what, like maybe Seven, eight, eight, ten. I think eight, eight, eight nine, ten, range. somewhere on there. I, I have yeah. to go back and count, but you know, and a number of them we watched just kind of walk out. And- exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think out of like though, there was probably about like three or four guys we saw walk in, and they never walked out. Or, or yeah. they slipped at the back, and we never got the chance to talk to them. Of course, one of those guys was Carl Edwards, yep. and which was a huge disappointment because I wouldn't have loved to have gotten a chance to not just me, but like all the other media members to at least like get to talk to Carl and see what he's up right. to. But we didn't get that chance, and we didn't get, which, we didn't get that chance. I'm sorry, no, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say, which by the way, it wasn't just us out there. Like it wasn't just us three oh, yeah. standing around. Like it was a full availability that was set up that we were expecting. Um, most of the guys to come out. We know Dale Jr. was in there. You know, anytime you get to talk to Dale Jr. about his thoughts on things, I would have loved to, to talk to Dale Jr. about that. Jimmy Johnson, uh, his driver was involved in a fight the week before. It would have been nice to have him walk out and go, hey, look, this is really cool. Hey, by the way, Jimmy, also, what do you think about last week? And, you know, there's just – there was a lot of guys that you you would expect to have come out and – they didn't elect to, and, and they weren't sent our way. So, so I can complain about that all I want, but you know, in the end, you know, all of these guys that you heard from, I mean, you know, on on the broadcast, I mean, we got Carl on the broadcast and everything, but all of these guys that we're talking about right now, you know, seventy five drivers, you know, and majority of them are still around, and a vast majority of those guys we didn't get to hear from. So it's yeah. a little disappointing to to see that you know. We, it was like, yeah, we took a photo of these guys, and that's it. I will say, let me let me propose this, and I, I see y'all saying do it. Like, what if they announced it at the Daytona 500? Like, Mike Helton did announce it on, on air, and then they picked Tony as the first one. Well, Tony was in the booth for the Daytona 500. They could have done the same exact thing and announced it at the Daytona 500, saying it's culminating at our throwback weekend 
in Darlington. I don't think they thought of it by then. I, I'm just – let me finish my fucking scenario, Matthew. <laughs> and then – because I think it fits with Throwback Weekend, doing the NASCAR 75. At the, like, I thought it, it fit. It made sense because you're throwing a bet. I will say this, and we'll talk about should Throwback Weekend stay or not. You can – I think teams can be creative enough, and NASCAR can be like, if you're going to do a throwback, you have to do it to one of the NASCAR 75 drivers so that it it's limited this year – because I think, like, what? Outside of, what, Kevin Harvick doing Kevin Harvick, Eric Amarola doing Eric Amarola, Harrison Burton doing his dad, there was no real other ties to the NASCAR 75 driver list. Oh, Jeff Gordon had one. Jimmy Johnson had one. So, it, you know, I think the majority of the throwbacks were to non-NASCAR 75 drivers off the top of my head. Uh, oh, Larson had a, uh, a Tony Stewart one. So you had to do it to a, you know, a NASCAR 75 driver. I think one you would get more like cooler throwbacks and two oh Bill Elliott was one too. Right. I, I yeah, I I'm my my mind's blanking. I'm thinking of like <laughs> Ty Dillon's one and uh, Ryan Pre and I know they did it to family members and stuff like that. But I still think if you tied it to the like you basically like this is the NASCAR 75 weekend. Like I think you would have had it would made it a bigger event and you do it you figure like. You could have figured out a time to do it. It could have been the quote-unquote event could have been Saturday night, honestly. That's probably when you should have done it. Like the quote-unquote, like, di you have a dinner. Instead of a brunch, you have a dinner on Saturday night when none of the drivers are in the race. Like, the, you have the Xfinity race. We were done, what, 6.30-ish, 8.30-ish? Like, we were the, the race was done at, like, 6.30. You could have done the dinner Saturday night at the track if you wanted to. And you have you would have had more time to create content and more time to make it a more of an event than it was, and I think you would have gotten more people there. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you that uh, another idea I was just thinking of was when Winston announced they were leaving as the title sponsor, they did a really cool thing for the counting down races where a champion, like for example, Rusty Wallace was still racing at that time, he had a special Winston Cups you know, Winston paint scheme for one race. The next week it was like they wheeled out Dale Earnhardt's car out there. The next it was like Bill Elliott had a special scheme. You know, like the champions of the sport, all the Winston Cup champions were kind of celebrating one week some at a time. Some of the silver ones, right? Yep, the silver ones. Yeah. Um, it'd be cool if they did something like that. Like 75 drivers over the first 25 weeks. We have three cars each week. Like, say it's Richard Petty, Earnhardt Johnson, you have three paint schemes commemorating them the, that first week. Uh, the next like week yeah. is three more. Um, and you just get through it. And that way you get it over with. Like, like you wrap it up the week before the Daytona regular season finale, celebrate them all at the regular season finale, and then have your playoffs and you on about it. But, you know, I just put me and just now, I put more thought into it than NASCAR did. <laughs> well something nascar needs to put their thought into and uh is my topic throwback weekend we touched on it a little bit should it stay or should it go um this time it felt like uh, a very lackluster throwback weekend i personally miss it with the southern 500 um but i will pose the question to the floor does that Na should nascar bring back the throwback weekend next year 
it certainly feels like that it's starting to kind of lose its luster a little bit and not not because of you know, not because I don't think it's cool first personally I think throwback weekend is one of the best weekends that we have every year and I see the argument a lot of oh well eventually we're gonna run out of paint schemes well I don't care let's redo paint schemes on different cars like I really don't care. I think this is one of the coolest weekends that we have all year. Also, you know, I'm a diecast collector, so I like to get those those throwback schemes a lot. And I also like to see, you know, certain guys celebrate different paint schemes. And I love to see the different number font changes, you know, you know, which cars look better than others. I like to, you know, kind of think, okay, which one really put a lot of effort into their throwback scheme, which ones didn't, you know. But is it just me, or did it kind of seem like nobody announced a, a throwback scheme until, like, two weeks before? Yeah, yeah that was Southern, so odd. This this weekend, right? Yeah. Like, I, like, I think I saw, um, I think it was Daniel Suarez, like, his, his uh, Ricky Rudd throwback, and, like, that was it. And as soon as they announced that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's coming up. Like, oh, my God, that's right. We need to, like, actually, why is no one else talking about this? Right. And I think there were, like, probably about – what eight teams something like that in the field that didn't actually do a throwback at all including richard children's racing one of the most you know storied teams that have been around the longest uh, out of the entire field which is just an absolute crime if you ask me they tried to like put a band-aid on a gunshot wound when they were like oh yeah look it's haha it's kyle bush's throwback scheme to uh, you know the auto club when it's like yeah very funny where's your actual where's your actual throwback scheme like it's it's it doesn't feel like I'm lo- I'm losing interest in throwback weekend. I don't know about you guys, but it feels like the teams are, and I that on, on NASCAR on the on the 75 uh, greatest driver 75th anniversary. It's just it feels so ironic that that's happening right now. I, I I don't know. I feel like this is just should go on forever. I feel like this should go on for for decades and decades on end. But I you know I don't know. It's up to the teams. Do they even want to do this? I think it should stay. Yeah. I think I think you can make themes with it. Like I I think there can be a lot more creativity in terms of like honoring eras. Like it, it I just think like people just forget like there are so many cars. There are so many cars. And you can get creative with it. I think one of the best throwbacks was not a NASCAR car. Like it was the Ken, you know, Dalton and I talked about this and we said it was one of our favorites. The Riley Herbst you know, Ken Block, which I wish Riley had a better result in Darlington. Like, that was one of the coolest cars out there. Um, I mean, we're starting to see more modern cars. Anthony Alfredo did a throwback to Dale Jr.'s retirement year as his throwback. Like, there are creative ways to do it, I, I think. Like, I think there is there is more time with this. I think there is some more juice. I think, I don't know, it just feels like, I mean, look at Front Row. Front Row didn't do a throwback, and they're doing it for North Wilkesboro, yeah. well, which is interesting. That's the thing. And by the way, I laughed when you said the Ken Block throwback because I thought about Dave Moody's awful comment calling those throwbacks out. Dave Moody threw shade at a oh, dead God. guy pretty much. Uh, so just tells you what, you what to think about that guy. Uh, but, yeah, I think the fact that this race is the week before – the true throwback race in North Wilkesboro really took a lot of steam out of it. And maybe if the, I, I just, they need to like reconfigure the schedule some kind of way to where like Darlington and North Wilkesboro aren't back to back, which first off, 
the off week should move from Father's Day to Mother's Day, but that's a whole other issue. Uh, but yeah, I think if you separated them a little more, then maybe throwback at Darlington gets a little more traction. I would have say I would have said you could have moved it to North Wilkesboro, but there's the whole problem. NASCAR owns one track, SMI owns the other. NASCAR is not going to let that go to SMI, uh, you know, without a fight. So I don't know, it's yeah. cool to see, and I like the the era idea. But the problem is when they did eras. Nobody stuck to theirs. No, mm-hmm. no, the team stuck to it. Yeah, so, it yeah, they tried that when it first started. Yep, I was gonna say they tried to do true. like, oh yeah, it's the, this is the seventies, and then nobody yeah. did it. And then yeah. the next year they're like, this year seems the eighties, and nobody mm-hmm. did it. And they were like, okay, screw it. Like you guys do whatever the hell you want. Do whatever, do yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll say this: if you like, come with it, five Kevin Harvick throwback theme throwback cars <laughs> in one race, I think you can figure out throwbacks for years to come. Oh gosh. But you know, and, and like, I wish I I wish I had uh, if I knew how to work this thing. But I wish I had uh, Dale Jarrett's comments when I asked him about the the throwback weekend and if it's run. It's well, I asked him basically about um, you know his thoughts of Darlington and the importance of throwback weekend. Uh, but he went on a tangent about people that say that it's run its course, and and he was very animated in describing that it has not done that um, and that he thinks it's still a very, very important thing. And so I agree with him. You know, I think we all kind of agree that like, Hey, no, I got you already. Watch this. Watch this. Share screen. Oh boy. This is from Noah Lewis's Twitter at Noah Lewis. Let me know if you can hear it. Look at that scowl important this weekend continues to be you know not and now the, the the 75 list you know adding to that not only to pay homage to those that are here but also uh for the sake of, of bringing everybody back together yeah yeah this is the perfect place the uh, here at darlington for all of this to take place uh couldn't couldn't be this is what nascar is about this is the history right here uh within the confines of this darlington raceway and to to be here be a part of it seeing everything on I, I i guess you know the one thing that i'm that upsets me is the the ones that are out there saying, "Hey, have we run the course of the throwback?" Well, hell no, we haven't. Why? Do, and we only listen for some reason. The only people that seem to to get their their voice heard out there are the detractors. And whether we're talking about this or or something else, you know, we don't listen to the the other side. That's probably ninety nine percent of the people that believe and love to the throwback and and what it's meant. Uh, to our sport. Uh, you know, we have to continue to honor, uh, you know, what this sport was about, where it came from, and, and look at that. So so this is so cool. Uh, you see more people here than at coming to Darlington uh, for that reason than, than any other race that we go to, really, even probably more than the Daytona 500. Uh, we see people show up for this. So it's just the greatest, coolest weekend. And, uh, you know, to get, I mean, I saw people this morning that haven't seen in a long time that you don't get the opportunity to, you know, we might be at the same racetrack, but a lot of times we're not gathered together. So uh, just one of the most fun weekends that there is in the entire year shout to me blocking my mic and my phone was blocking that for a little bit but that was that was the comments of dale jarrett i think that was a a really you know powerful statement by him yeah and like i said you know it's he very much thinks that darlington is perfect place for it i i I still think darlington is the place for it um i think we all can agree that you know it felt better on on southern 500 weekend um however from a PR standpoint, I have to see where Darlington and, of course, you know, giving it to Fox, Southern 500 weekend is still Southern 500 weekend is still special. Um, but I think that 
adding another race to the schedule for Darlington. If you don't give them some sort of here's why you should come, I don't think you get as big a turnout uh, without the throwback weekend on the first on the first weekend. I will say it's better for Fox to have that race than NBC. And you'll rarely hear me say that, but because Mike Joy the whole time just drops nugget after nugget mm-hmm. after nugget, and it's just beautiful. Rick Allen could not do that. Yeah, yeah. He's, I think Mike Joy, the historian that he is, it actually, you're right, Matt, he does work. Well, yeah. time for a, uh, a fun topic. It is our YouTube portion of the podcast, frontstretch.com slash YouTube to watch the visual version to see, um, well, my new look, I guess, that I had for Throwback Weekend, and I've been too lazy to shave off my face, uh, and, as well as Dalton Hopkins, our guests, Noah Lewis, and obviously Michael Massey. Last week, we did a draft of the NASCAR 75 drivers list. Michael, you weren't there, uh, and Noah, you weren't there, but Michael, you actually know who we picked. Uh, what what did you think? Did who, did uh, I, I think you told us everyone, but Brian did a good job. Mm, uh, you guys had good – Brian's team was terrible. Um, but you guys took Bobby Allison and basically murdered him and then stomped over his, his gravestone. Picked his son. Yeah, but the rest, some, one of you should have picked Bobby Allison. One of you should have picked Rusty Wallace. Instead, you guys picked yeah. people that have like 30 to 50 less career wins than these guys. Uh, so yeah, major oversight. Um, well, I thought it was going to a Twitter vote, so I picked Dale and her junior. It didn't. It didn't. <laughs> so you lost. Um, well, but I still won. Uh, your team is still better than Brian's. Brian exactly. was, Brian's team was like, I don't know, Ryan Blaney, Bubba Wallace, <laughs> Danica Patrick. Well, but, let's jump right into the NASC. This time we are drafting tracks. Uh, I've decided to, because I am the uh, commissioner of this league, um, that it can be any track you want that is active. Just keyword is active. Um, no. I have a plan for inactive. Nope. Uh, it's active. <laughs> if you, you know what? We'll say it can be anywhere in the world. Oh. How about that? My um, cul-de-sac. Uh, I raced bikes there when I was a, when I was. It has to be a, is it, a is it track than an actual. It's still active. Track. I still race my my bicycle, my tricycle do you, along there. Do you sanction those races? I do uh, by myself. <laughs> it's five dollars a person. Come on down. And all uh, right, well there we go. You're leaking your draft board before it starts, but uh, basically we'll get four picks each. Um, it is. Uh, it is snake st- snake style. Uh, the order goes as followed. I changed it up a little bit. Noah, you have the number one pick as our guest. Then it's myself. Then it's Massey. Dalton, you get to pick last, but you always get back-to-back picks, so congrats on that. Um, Noah, you have the entire world wow. at your fingertips. Okay. Um, that's fun. Uh, I, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to stick NASCAR. All right, so I'm going to. If I've got the entire world to pick a track and I'm sticking with NASCAR, you know, I'm going to pick Bristol, but without the dirt. <laughs> Good thing. I, I was hoping yeah, that I'm just writing Bristol on the thing because that's a normal, like, if you pick Bristol dirt, you're disqualified. So, <laughs> all right. So it is my turn. Um, Dang. You t- I was. Uh, I'll say my sentimental pick because I think it will survive. 
Um, I could go, you know, Daytona, I think, is the uh, it's one of the good picks up there. I think that will go before it comes back to me. Uh, but I'm going to go with, you know, I'm going to go with Arlington. I was just there. I think it's a great track. It produces great racing. I mean, nice. the Xfinity Series was insane. It, It's probably, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Darling. That's me up next. Uh, I will go with both of those were tracks I was considering. Uh, I, feel, I feel like I got to take the, the easy layup and go with Martinsville. <laughs> Thank God. I was gonna go more. I was between Martinsville and, and Darlington as my next pick. So yeah, okay. when you when you uh, when you mentioned Daytona, I was about two seconds away from throwing my mic. Um, <laughs> thank God you didn't, because Daytona is clearly the best track ever created. I almost picked it. I almost picked yeah. it. Too, but, uh, sure but I, knew were, I knew I was gonna say it for two minutes from there. There's a good reason why you didn't. Uh, why you almost picked it because it's the best track on the circuit. It can. It is the it's produced the best racing on the, in the uh, in the NASCAR season. Uh, weekend, year in, year out, on a yearly basis. Every time we go there, it's going to be an exciting race, no matter what. And it has a road course that has one of the top three, or excuse me, one of the three crown jewel endurance races in the world. So not only is it one of the greatest sports car races, uh, sports car tracks on the planet, it is also one of the greatest NASCAR tracks on the planet. Don't at me. Daytona is the best racetrack. So. Are you saying you enjoyed the Cup Series on the road course? I did, actually. I really did. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what you think. I, I, I thought it was I thought it was better. I mean, the second race there was actually kind of fun. So, I mean, it's better than some of the other road courses we go to. That's for damn sure. So, you pick again. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, we get back-to-back picks, yes. Look oh, at man. Noah knowing what's up. It's like that's about all I know. All right, so <laughs> before, before I go further, so, like, can it be – so what exactly are we judging these based off of? Like, what is – is it just, like, versatility? Is it, like, what produces best, the best racing? Like, what is that exactly? Both. We'll say both. Like, oh, obviously, man. I think the number one key is what will produce the best racing. Wow. Okay. But I think, like, prestige of it should be a factor. Like, we all pick probably, like, of the top ten most prestigious tracks on the circuit, we maybe pick the top – we probably pick the top four. Yeah, yeah. I uh, uh of current of I'll put it of current like current framework because there is one out there that is probably more prestigious than all of them, but they don't run it any they don't run the right yeah. Right I already know which one you're talking about, but I don't think I'm gonna pick that one. I'm also not gonna pick the other one that a lot of people are probably thinking of. Um I'm probably gonna pick one that's also very near and dear to my heart and has produced great racing no matter what goes there. Um, whether it be open wheel cars, whether it be NASCAR, whether it be sports cars, no matter what. Uh, and that's Watkins Glen. Um, every year I've been there. I went there when I was very little. It produced great racing back then. It still produces very good racing. It's one of the uh, one of the four endurance races that IMSA has every year. Um, it was really great for IndyCar when it still was there. And it has a lot of history behind it. Formula One used to go there. So um, it's also got a great fan base behind it. It does not fail. It is one of the greatest road courses on the planet, one of the greatest road courses in the United States, if not the best. So probably going to go with that one as my second pick. I love that track. So is it Massey now? It is Massey's pick. Oh, man. That that snake's confusing me. Uh, You always are picking – so look, your first pick, you always pick before or after Dalton. Okay, okay. Think about it like that. Okay. I'll forget, but – So – I'm going to go – I feel like I got to keep it – you know, we did all this work. 
I was there last summer as part of the revival. And oh. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. Uh, we put all this work in to get this thing back on there. I might as well have it on my racing schedule. North Wilkesboro. Pretends to be shocked you picked that. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to pick that. All right. This specifically will be the oval version of this track. Yeah. I'm going with, I'm getting, I'm locking in the second crown jewel. I'm locking it in. It's the most prestigious racetrack that NASCAR goes to and decides to spit in it when it does the road course of it. I'm picking Indy. I know it's not the best racing, but it's still, I would say, the most prestigious racetrack in the world. It's it's that, what, Silverstone and Daytona, probably, the, and Lamar, like the top four. Um, I, I'm picking... I'm gonna pick Indiana. I'm gonna take Indianapolis. It's it's too good to not pass up here. I feel like the upside is too good. So uh, you know this is a this is a high, high ceiling, maybe a, a a low floor kind of pick you take, but to get it in the second round, I feel like I'm stealing it. All right, get ready for this one. It's a track that has a movie after it. It's a track that has songs after it. Wow. It's a track that has the best party scene in the world and the only track where you will find me on a Sunday walking into the media center, popping some Tylenol. It is Talladega. That's what I'm taking. And it's haunted. And it's it is haunted. nuts. You you don't talk about what you see on the boulevard. There's a horror movie made about it. <laughs> that is a that is a good pick. That is a good pick, Noah. So I'll both, uh, both I guess major super speedways are taken away. I'm not counting Atlanta in this, uh, but Noah, you've gone with Bristol and Talladega. I have gone with Darlington, Indianapolis. Massey, you've gone with two short tracks, Martinsville and North Wilkesboro, and Dalton. You've rounded out your team with Daytona and Watkins Watkins Glen, if I can speak. Noah, you uh, you start us off in the third round. Oh shoot! Yeah, I guess I do start again. Um, wow. All right. Not prepared. All right. So after that, okay, let me look around. I actually have some signs hanging up of racetracks. All right. So just what's coming off of the top of the head right now, um, is a track that I always enjoy, uh, watching racing at. And that's cause it has multiple grooves, multiple lanes. It's probably, no, actually, it's definitely where we should be racing for the championship still if it was between the two. Um, so uh, for third pick, I'm going to go Homestead Miami Speedway. You stole my pick. I thought it was dropping to me. I already wrote it into my slot. Oh, that was that's heartbreaking for your boy. Uh, I was going to go with Homestead. I, I agree with you. I think it should be the championship race. If you want to listen to last week's episode, we talked about whether Kansas or Homestead should be the championship race over Phoenix. Oh, man, you, you took that one from me. Um, mm, This is tough. This is getting tougher. You know what? I think since it's the home base, if, it, it, again, I can lock up three-fourths of the crown jewel, I can get the double, um, I think, you know, uh, so give me, I'll take, I'll take Charlotte Motor Speedway because I get the Roval, like, like Dalton gets the Roval with Daytona. 
So I and they've had you know IMSA races there. Get the um, legend level. Yeah, I I get that as well. I get a drag strip. Um, but I also get. What are you getting the whole property? I, I mean, <laughs> I get the Coca Cola. So I, I basically, you know, if I'm going out down the road, I have. He three, gets Hendrick. He gets all have, the car dealerships. I have, I have three fourths of Crown Jewel, and maybe I can work some sort of uh, alliance with Dalton, where we our season consists of, you know, the Crown Jewel races. So you I get Michael make, Waltrip's Brewing Company. I guess get I get the, that too. Get the QT on the corner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's give back me, to me now. Give me Charlotte Motor Speedway. I think I'm feeling good about my draft. All right, so that's back to me, right? Um, Look at you. Go. You're learning. You're learning the list. I is learning. Man, there's so many good ones out there that I'm going to leave off. Uh, like, I don't know. I guess I should get away from – I mean, my ideal schedule is for short tracks. <laughs> I might just go with that. But, that's crown jewel enough for me, but let's give it a little international flair and let's go to the Monza oval just to spice things up. Ooh. I mean, Hey, if not for that track, that's the track that made Kyle Larson a future NASCAR champion. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm not going to explain that joke. Good. Inadvertently. <laughs> what did that happen? Say, Can you go in complete hey, detail? So- so should I just give you Monza because that could be you could get the road course with it. Yeah, yeah, uh, the, yeah. Take the road course too. We can throw in a road course race every once in a while. I'll take the whole property. I'll take the whole country. It's in. <laughs> give me Italy. <laughs> hey, if you want to get Ferrari, maybe into the Cup Series. There you go. You got Monza. <laughs> I'll have Ferrari going there one week. And then North Wilkesboro the next. Oh my god! <laughs> and they break down both races because that's how Ferrari operates. <laughs> All right, Dalton, your third pick. Yeah, there is a track in Central Florida that has truly stood the test of time. And I once went there for an IMSA testing session. I think it was in 2020. Um. I remember a Porsche driver or who was then a factory Porsche Porsche driver by the name of Fred Machiavelli. And he described to me, I interviewed him. He described to me the track as a temple um, is a temple of, of speed of racing, no matter what you call it. And that's because it's basically the same track that they made in the 1950s. Um, and it has been there ever since. And every year there is such a huge race fan uh, account. There's so many people that come out for the 12 hours of that race every year, along with the WEC race they have. Of course, I'm talking about Sebring. It is a very interesting and really a track that I feel like shouldn't even exist, yet it does. There's so many bumps there. It's a track that has just been withered away over time, but that's what gives it its character. And not only that, it also has a character of its uh, its nearby culture, its fans who absolutely love that race and travel to it every year. And one day I'm going to go there. It is on my bucket list. Do it in the 12 hours of Sebring. And get absolutely blasted in the infield. I'm going with Sebring. That is a good pick. Good pick. I like that. Give uh, you know Sebring the Sebring International Raceway as your third round pick. As we head into the final round, there's our board right there: uh, Bristol, Talladega, Homestead for Noah, Darlington, Indianapolis, Charlotte for myself, Martinsville, North Wilkesboro, Monza. He really wants to use the oval, but we'll give him the whole thing. 
for Massey, Dalton, you went with Daytona, Watkins Glen, and then Sebring International Raceway. You are basically just covering the entire East Coast because you have Florida and New York as your two picks. So let's move on to the fourth and final round. Mr. Dalton Hopkins, what is your final selection? I'm going with a fan favorite. Everybody loves it. Everybody talks about it. It's one of the best tracks in the world. I, of course, am talking about Texas Motor Speedway. Put it on the list. No, I'm just kidding. So I'm, I'm, I'm shocked it went. Not, it went. It didn't go one one. I saw that. I saw that. I saw that look that Noah gave me. But yeah, uh, yeah so the only thing good about the Texas Motor Speedway is the Bucky's down the street. It. Uh, it's. it's <laughs> I'm telling you, we should just we should just go the dirt the yeah the dirt track that's like right across the street there. I'm telling you, but instead, what I'm actually going with is another crown jewel track that was built uh, way back in 1933. There's no more crown jewel races, sir. Yes, there is. There is one that we're all forgetting about. I'm not talking about a NASCAR crown jewel race. I'm talking about a crown jewel track internationally. It was built way back in 1933 by a guy who uh, I'm not going to name. But uh, it was uh, it is considered one of the largest tracks in the world, if not the largest track in the world right now, at a whopping, if I am not mistaken, uh, 24 kilometers long. It's known as the Green Hell. I could have gotten that wrong with the distance, but it's known as the Green Hell. Of course, I'm talking about the Nürburgring. It is an absolute monster of a racetrack. It really shouldn't even be a racetrack. It's more like a series of roads, but... Uh, it takes a true masterclass driver to learn it, uh, to to remember where each corner, where each braking zone is. Uh, a legendary driver, they do a 24-hour race every year there that truly tests a man's endurance and his patience or her patience. And, of course, the fan base there is fantastic as well uh, and plenty of places for you to camp out and enjoy a nice uh, race on the Nürburgring Nordschleife. Boom. Get Getting international here. We got. We're going to Italy. We're going to Germany. Uh, Massey, your final selection. Yeah. Uh, so the the final one. Man, this is a tough one to close out. First, I'll give out some honorable mentions real quick. If if we were going with inactive tracks, I would go with Asheville Weaverville Speedway because you listen to stories from back in the day. That's where all the fights happened. That's where the fans rioted and all this crazy stuff happened. I sound like that place was a good time back in the day. Uh, another honorable mention would be the greatest short track in, in the world, which is South Boston Speedway. Uh, it gave us the best SRX race, but I, I think y'all aren't going to pick it, so I can do it with an um, undrafted free agency and pick it up later. Uh, but for the final pick, man, I... There's so many options. I feel like I don't know. Let, let's do some some variety. Is is Auto Club still an option? Because it has yes, probably well, it's been still, it's still intact for now. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what what the status of it right now is. If there's still walls <laughs> up and track and stuff, that that's another one I'm really considering. But let's throw a little dirt on the schedule. And I don't mean uh, uh, Bristol dirt. I mean, let's do some Eldora. Eldora. True dirt track. Well, the only person I was afraid would take my pick was Massey. Um, And I'm picking this for sentimental reasons. Also, 
it has produced good racing. Um, it just hasn't lately. It's getting better uh, since the repave. Uh, but it's the track that I went to and fell in love the sport with, and I, I, I had to pick it. This was the one I said at the beginning. Like, I could pick first, but I know we'll, I'll get it later. Uh, I picked Richmond. It's I, I, it's where I fell in love with the sport. Um, going to Cup races, going to IndyCar practice when IndyCar was there. Um, obviously, Massey being the other Richmond native in this group, uh, I thought he might pick it. Um. But I am I am going with uh, Richmond, formerly known as Richmond International Raceway, formerly known as the Fairgrounds. That's right. <laughs> I I went to the state fair there. Now, Massey, are you a Richmond native, or are you? Yeah, just in the. There. Really? I yeah, I grew that. up here. I moved away for a while, but um, yeah, I am from. Well. I have um I've not missed a race at Richmond since 2016. I've done every single cup race including the 2021 which is still um a big win because there was no, only 21, yeah, 21 that met you. 2020 there were only like 6 of us there and it was really cool to keep the streak alive. Um I grew up in in coastal Virginia so it is home uh home track for me as well. However, uh, I would not have picked that. Uh, but what I'm going to pick is another track that's pretty sentimental to me, especially since being out in North Carolina. And um, I've gotten the honor and the privilege to call races here in the booth. Um, and it's it's just one of the most feel-good tracks when you walk in and you see that list of winners and you see Ralph Earnhardt and you see all these guys. Um, so I'm going with What's known as the world's most famous short track, I'm going with Hickory Motor Speedway for my final. Nice. Trey, you are muted. Uh, Well, there you have it. So Bristol, Talladega, Homestead, Hickory for Noah, myself, Darlington, Indianapolis, Charlotte, Richmond, Massey went with Martinsville, North Wilkesboro, Monza, and Eldora, Dalton with Daytona, Watkins Glen, Sebring, and the Nürburgring. You even put the umlauts over the U. I'm proud of you. Oh, copy and paste. That will do it for this episode of the Happy Hour Podcast. Noah, we're going to give you a second to uh, plug your stuff. Uh, we appreciate you you joining us this week. Uh, if people want to hear more from you, write, uh, learn more from you, read more from you, where can they go? Well, first of all, I was going to make a really bad joke about, oh, my charger's plugged in. Anyway, I won't do that. I'll just, I'll, you know. uh, but no, the, uh, the stuff you can find me on is tsj101sports.com. You can find my uh, rare articles that I write, uh, but you can also find um, my buddy Peter Strada. He's he's always writing for us over on the website. Been doing that since 2017, so um, really, really uh, appreciate it if you go check that out. But, of course, big spot you can can find me is youtube.com slash Noah Lewis Reporter. Um, on there, post-race content. These guys keep me on my toes. Uh, and, and, you know, we love, I, I can tell you everybody in here, uh, we all love chasing the story. And so, uh, you know, you guys can find it here on front stretch. You can find it in, uh, on my channel. And then of course on Twitter, Noah underscore Lewis one, um, for all Twitter updates and stuff like that. But yeah, thanks guys for, for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. If you want, if you want the best Josh Williams, um, content, go to Noah. He got it when Josh parked his car. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Happy Hour Podcast. We've gone a little tad bit long in this one. 
that's okay. We'll ask Tom for forgiveness later. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Happy Hour. I gotta believe that everybody feels the way I do about him now. Can we get a live singing? Not <laughs> the damage that he's causing growing. Right. He wrecked me yesterday without even slowing, slowing. There are many things that I would like to do to Ross, but I don't know how.